Hello and welcome to Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged, an hour-long discussion of activity in the financial markets around the world featuring columnist John C. Dvorak and money manager Andrew Horowitz. This conversation is casual and unrehearsed. Let's join John and Andrew now. John C. Dvorak. Hey, I'm Andrew Horowitz. And it's the 21st of June, uh, 2022. Is this the, oh, Today's the summer solstice. It's the longest day in the longest, of the yeah, longest day. It's so long today. <laughs> today was a long day. S- super bright right now. Oh, is it? What time does the sun go down by you? About nine. Wow. And it comes up what six thirty? No, no, no. I'm usually sleeping. Mm, what you eating? Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Cliff bar. No, I'm eating these stupid uh, lifesaver gummies. Oh, I've been eating them on no agenda. I got a big giant bag of them for like no money and I can't stop eating them. Just, just delicious. But then once you when you'll get, you'll fill all of a sudden you'll be like, uh, that's enough. I'm done. Well, you have to, I, I, when the podcast is over, that's when I stop. I've I've just stopped. Mm. Well, let's talk about uh, what's going on with the markets. I guess the big word is kaboom. We got a 75 basis point. Move by the Fed, and initially, they loved it. The market loved it. Well, they loved it today. They loved it on that Wednesday and Thursday, like, oh, my God, what do we do? And dumped really hard. Yes, but did it go below 29,000? It was right at 29,000. No, I mean, did it stick below 30,000? Yes, for a day, it, it it closed. Yeah, let's well, let's see what it is. Dodge on here, right here, right now. Right now it's at 530, and it was up six hundred and forty today. That means it was below thirty thousand on Friday when it closed. Oh, I took the early holiday. I guess I missed it. Yeah, that should be the bottom. It could be. It's quite possible, but. Uh, there is a lot of consternation about what's going on. A lot of concern. People are talking themselves into a tizzy. And markets don't have any kind of real memory. It's every day is every man for themselves. You know, every day is like, you wake up, you're like, oh, you know, markets look like they're going to do well. And then they crater over. Or, you know, you have what happened this weekend, which was absolutely fascinating with all that happened with the cryptocurrencies this weekend. Yeah. Oof. That was rough. And you would expect coming into Mon- uh, Tuesday that things would go, you know, kind of ugly. But the rest of the world on Monday, we were closed because of Juneteenth, the Juneteenth national holiday. I heard your discussion about that with no on no agenda. Something about Japanese people in the trees. Yeah. You know, the, the, the question of why is that a holiday rather than the day that there was emancipation? Yeah, the Emancipation Proclamation Day, or even Lincoln's birthday is not a holiday anymore, but they make this. I haven't taken any flack for it, but I probably should. I think it was reasonable what you said. Yeah. It's celebrating a dumb bunch of dummies in Texas. Right. Who, for some reason, decided to, that would be like topple the statue day in the future. Yeah, kind of, yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I was thinking more of the Japanese in the tree, Mm. but yep. Well, uh, oil is getting sold. China's in the spotlight again with concerns about what's happening over there with regard to their COVID hoo-ha and the problems that they have with regard to now Macau shutting down. Um, We have some animation is banned in several countries. We'll talk about that tonight. Cost of paying for a new car. Watch out. Big, big numbers that are the highest in history. And we talked about my little Mahi fishing over the weekend. So um, let's see. Uh, the market up, this was from last week. I left it on there anyway. It was down anywhere from 6 to 10% the last five days. We were down about 5% or so, 6% again in the last five days with a 4.5% drop on Thursday. And this, this debate over, are we going to get into a recession? Are we gonna are, are, are we gonna have earnings recession? Is the Fed gonna uh, you know destroy us? Will the dollar 
be decimated. This, this, everybody's getting themselves really crazy right now. Yeah. And, and they're looking at and focusing on the Fed. And it, it, it's extraordinary. Not looking at anything else. Sell the news. Well, they brought it on themselves. Who's they? Everybody? Fed. Oh, the Fed did. But everybody, I mean, you listen to the, the, the pundits with air quotes around that. They are just all about, you know, oh, we didn't reach that capitulatory number and we're going to a recession and look at all the recessions in the past and we saw this and that. Remember, they're, they're, when, when things get like, we'll talk about this, but when things get this one-sided, you have to just for a moment step back and wonder, is it really that bad or is everybody just playing the same, I don't want to be outside the consensus? Well, I mean, nobody likes to be outside consensus, right? Everybody wants to fit in. Well, that's not, I don't think that's necessarily true. It depends on how much attention you want. Well, if you want attention, you go opposite. Yeah. Because there's more demand for people that want the opposite or want to talk about the opposite than there is for people that are just all on the same side. You know, cheerleaders, they're, they're useless. Useless. Uh, we had a big day Tuesday today, light volume, but big moves on the indices. The best uh, was energy and financials were leading, but again, no direction. We saw a major oversold reading last week. Question is, is this that rally that's going to last? I would venture to say there's a possibility of a major rally inside of this bear. We see that. Uh, and you know, when you look at the, oversold nature of some of this and how far some things have come down and that nobody wants to touch it, go near it. You know, my God, a Peloton, no, or a you know, pick, pick whatever name you want. It's like, no, can't, can't buy that. Got to wait for it to bottom out. Meanwhile, it's down 85%. And, you know, you have to wonder is, is what are they waiting for? And, and even if you're down 85 or 80% or 70% or 60% and it goes down another 10%, to catch it right on the bottom. Is that a smart move? Uh, well, it depends if it's a real bottom. Right, well, you never know that till the end, right? No, you never know. You never know. You ever. never know if that rally inside that bear market is the one. But you're, you're hoping it is that way you can go for the rest of your life saying you called it. You, oh, yeah. Oh. And oh. sell newsletters. Oh, yeah. It's like getting a Nobel Prize for something, right? <laughs> yeah, I called it. Yeah. John Dvorak, the man who called the bottom in uh, 2000, the bottom. 2022 is now with the- Subscribe to his latest thinking, his newsletter, or better yet, <laughs> click on this link and listen to a long lecture where he says nothing. Right, because he's out with a bold new prediction. Yeah. <laughs> the man <laughs> who called the bottom. Uh, <laughs> now you could fear, you, you'd smell the fear. This fear is palpable. It's out there. Down Downgrades are starting and- Everybody's on the bear train, and uh, again, do you remember what? Remember what, when they said when everybody was on the bull train, like, oh no, everybody's too positive. That's a, not a good sign. It's going to turn the other way, right? But they don't talk about that. And I talk about how you we know, talk about it all the time, constantly, right? Well, everybody, when everybody's on one side of the ship, you've been on a ship. You, you, you've, if you push you're on one side, the thing capsizes and you all die, right? Or it gets to a point that it gets tilting and leaning over and all of a sudden one person runs to the other side and then everybody runs to the other side and really makes it fall over. Yeah. Mm. Question is how bad is it? So we got some charts today. This one's a great one. I saw, um, you can find this on DH unplugged on the episode show notes for episode six, six, 11, six, one, one, but you can also find the donation button as well. For those of you that, feel that maybe, you know, what we do is uh, worthwhile and you'd like us to continue. And that's how you get us to do it. Yeah, that would help. Keep us happy. You're happy. We're not happy to you're not happy, they say, but, or maybe not. Eh. We're not happy to you are happy. That's better. So how bad is it? Let's click on this little button, wealth destruction. What do you think of that? I want you to describe it. Well, it's a uh, 
it's a chart that goes back to about 1980, 75, 76, I guess. And it shows how much wealth, total stock and bar, bond market value, how much it collapsed in various, uh, as you put it on here, drawdowns. And it's, and it's titled wealth destruction. And these down spikes represent wealth destruction. And the last good one we had that was a whopper was in 2008. And then over the last, uh, then there was another huge, even bigger, bigger and better during COVID. And then this one that we're in now is worse than all of them combined. We're talking about, this is in dollars. It's uh, close to $15 trillion of wealth evaporated. Yeah. And some people ask the question, I've, I've heard, had this question before many times, where does the money go? And the answer is, because they're like, well, you know, if one guy makes the money, somebody's got to lose the money and vice versa. Well, no, not necessarily. If you have valuations on a stock that are high, that doesn't mean that the value on the other side, that somebody's shorting everything, it's just because the valuations are out of whack. When it comes down, basically it's evaporated. It goes to money heaven. Yeah, it's, it's literally evaporated. Literally evaporated. Gone. Well, you could look at, I think you take it to an extreme and I'd probably better understand it, which is say I have a million dollars in stock A, company A and company A, and that's my million, it's in there. Mm -hmm. And now, and I had that as my mom the books, as my net worth, let's say. And the company goes bankrupt overnight and the stock is worth nothing. Yep. That money is not in somebody else's pocket. Some of it could be from short people shorting. They could have made money on it. Yeah, there's always some, some possibility that somebody could have, could have like, you know, picked up some cash on the way down through some trickery, but that's a minor, it's not, it generally speaking, let's say, let's, is that a little a variable? The stock was not shortable. Okay. You can say that. Yeah. 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 Which is possible. Mm -hmm. So the stock was not shortable. I had a million dollars in there. Now it's worth zip. That money has evaporated. Or you have a mutual fund or other investment that is down 25, 30%. And that wasn't shorted. It just goes down. It was evaporated. My money's gone. Gone. Yep. But, you know, yeah. So this is being, this is, this is a chart from Bespoke um, Investments. They're calling it the largest destruction of wealth in modern market history since the 70s. I don't even think the amount of money lost during the Great Depression, during the crash, equals these kind of numbers. I don't think so. That was pretty good. Yeah, there was no a great chart. This is one of those weird charts that you come up with every so often. I try. I try to be weird. And coins, coins on the weekend and the jokes on who? Are the holders going to become bag holders? The hodls, not the holders, the hodls, hodls, hodls. So the e weekend action was absolutely frightening. Bitcoin crashed onto 18,000. Ethereum was under well under 1,000. And there was hysteria. It was hysteria. Look at this chart. This is a, a one-hour chart of Bitcoin. Pretty much this uh, last, what, five five or six days? I guess. Up from 21,000, uh, 22,000, dropped down to 17,600 in the middle of the evening on the 18th. Yeah. And started slowly but surely climbing up. But this is pretty severe. The chart doesn't really depict it as it doesn't look that bad. It's bad. That was pretty rough. And some people came to the rescue. There was a couple of crypto billionaires that came to the rescue and started lending. What's the solution to a bad lending problem? More money being lent. <laughs> right? Yeah. We've seen this before. You know, the whole idea that, uh, well, we got all this horrible, you know, debt outstanding and people are leveraging up and what are we going to do? The government's going to lend more. We're going to make loans available for those that need them that are going for all those restaurants going out of business. We're going to make more loans available. We're going to get, make it easier for you to get money that you have to pay us back with. It's just so stupid. So there's a, the big issue has been of course, the concern over the halting of withdrawals from a company called Celsius they yeah, had, Celsius has triggered this whole thing. That, that was a big one. There's a few others too, but that was a big one. Because people are saying, wait, if, if Celsius 
could put a halt on my crypto. And while I know that uh, Celsius was doing some lending and all that, but most people didn't really know what they did. They just thought, oh, yeah, I put my money, my, my, my coins over at, at, at Celsius, and they paid me 15%. Yeah. It's easy. And how could you resist? How can you resist? How can you? If you don't know anybody, like, oh, yeah, no, Bitcoin's safe and Ethereum's safe. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and try to make even more money on it. What, how, what can I lose? I mean, it looks like the website looks nice. They have a nice font. Nice pictures. So what happened was yeah, that on. this collapse is, is a problem. And again, some people are trying to come to the rescue of this. Uh, Celsius said over the weekend, after all this went to crap, you know what? We're working on a way to reopen. But once you get that underwater and that upside down with the amount of debt that they have, very difficult to pop out of it. Unless you have a miracle. And 20000 on Bitcoin is not a miracle. Let's see where Bitcoin is right now. Let's take a quick gander at uh, live update. 20638 it was better than 18,000. Yeah, much better. 17,600. Uh, we have some issues with energy in, in Europe. Now, we know that Europe has done an incredible job at trying to go green. Right? Yeah, they're the, they're the leaders. They're the leaders. They've done a lot of things like shut down nuclear. They've done things like got rid of that stinky, horrible, dirty coal they did things that were really smart, like relying on Russia for 40% of their energy source, like Germany. Well, Europe's biggest Russian gas buyers were racing to find alternative fuel supplies this week and even looking at burning more coal to cope with the reduced gas flows from Russia on Monday that threatened an energy crisis if the winter, uh, in the winter if stores are not refilled. Russia said, go screw yourself, which they said they were going to do for a while. Now, at the same time, you have to understand that the benchmark uh, Dutch front month gas contract for natural gas was trading at about 127 euros per megawatt hour, up 50% since the start of this year. Well, you know, everybody's all in on green. They can afford it. Well, it's, not, it's not a matter of affording it. I mean, well, they're going to go back to burning coal. That just killed that whole idea. Now, a lot of young people are coming and starting to sue for a breach of contract. On the, on the green deals that governments have been talking about for a while. How dare you ruin my lungs and the future of my children? Meanwhile, if they don't get fuel, people are just going to freeze to death this winter. Yeah, I guess that's okay. That's fine. That's fine. Crazy people. So I don't know. Do you, how do you think this? Is, do you have any thoughts on how this is going to resolve it all? I mean, you have any thoughts on what's going on in Europe? Are they just going to succumb to the pressure and say, "Okay, you know, uh, we're just going to have to go dirty for a while"? I think they're going to have to go dirty for a while or cave. And they don't really feel like caving, and they they have no choices. They should, re, you know, they should go on a. If they were smart, they'd go on a. Unfortunately, they can't do this. A stupendous, a unbelievable, a just a crazy build more nuclear power plants thing because that's clean energy. But it takes like five years to build a power plant. Well, that's, well, they should have started five years ago. <laughs> They're shutting them down. What you know, difference does it make? Well, the ones that they shut down, how long is it to how how long does it take to or do they maybe pull, they shut them down or do they destroy them? I think they just shut them down. So how long does it take to restart? I have no idea. That's something I should know, having been in the energy business, uh, and I don't. I do not know it. I, I would like you to please write that down. If you can scrape the lifesavers off your desk and move them aside for a second, if you could write that down <laughs> with something. I'll look into it. Thank you. Now, Meta, the old Facebook, is making some waves. Stock price is now near the pandemic low. Matter of fact, Last week, the cruise lines were near pandemic low as well, and they popped up on uh, Friday. It was, it was, I looked at the stocks. I'm like, I cannot believe that they're back here again, and many of the cruise lines are talking like the airlines about, oh, we're, you know, capacity. Can't get anybody else on the boats. We're squeezing them in. 
But of course, diesel costs are a problem. The fear of COVID to a degree are a problem. European sailings are a problem. And and what's happening with Facebook is really pretty amazing. I mean, everybody loved, I mean, loved the stock for years. They could do no wrong, no matter how much wrong they did. Everybody knew the crap they pulled. Now they're being sued for, this is fascinating, they're being sued for discriminatory advertising practices. Now, if you think about that for a second. Who's doing the suing? There's there's a bunch of groups that are suing them for discriminatory, it's particularly in the housing area. And I think what happened was the people that were advertising were doing targeted advertising to what they believe, for whatever reason, was the right demographic for their particular product. Now, isn't that exactly what Facebook sells as the benefit of utilizing their advertising platform? That's Facebook's entire idea. That's it, right there. Yeah, nothing more, nothing less. And they're going to get sued for it? How does that work? Can you imagine if every group that felt slighted, oh, I can't believe it. They're feeding me They're feeding me ads for matzah and manashevitz during Passover. I feel like I'm being targeted and you're discriminating or, or somehow targeting me. You are being targeted. Yeah, no question. When you're on Facebook, you sign that away. It's part of the uh, EULA. So I don't know. Terms of service. Right. So maybe uh, there's some places that, um, you know, are selling some kind of hair cream or gel or some kind of package that is not meant for, let's say, um, older white guys. Maybe it's for younger fit teens. All right, for example, maybe I don't get an advertisement for skinny jeans. Right, you wouldn't get, that would be uh, appropriate. And I feel that is discriminatory. I find that to be very, as a matter of fact, I've been thinking about this. It's a very interesting idea for a lawsuit. I think it has no merit whatsoever. And uh, I should look into this because it's really something that's, that's mildly fascinating that this is even going on. If you think about it, though, it is, like you said, it is the model that is now being flipped on its head and you trying to be used against them. It's, it's pretty great legal, um, what would that be called? A uh, legal trickery. Yeah, trickery. But who but, knows? Yeah. Maybe Facebook is like, you know what? Let's pay these guys off. But then again, if they do, if you, even if they pay them off and it doesn't go to court, which would cost them a lot of money, think about all the potential other, you, every nook and cranny, you could find some kind of discrimination, racism, some kind of other um, alienation on any targeting that's being done. That, that, could, that could end up, if, if, it, if it goes far enough, shutting down their entire targeted ad campaign process. No, I think what it's going to do, because I'm bullish on Facebook. Oh. And what it's going to do, I think, here's what you're going to see. It's going to create a two-tiered advertising mechanism. So people can opt in for generalized advertising. So instead of just having targeted ads, which they'll still have, they can have generalized ads and take that business also away from the big publishing companies. Because right now the advertising that goes to Facebook is is very targeted and it doesn't necessarily, it's not General Mills and Procter and Gamble and these guys who, you know, target everybody. That's what the idea of the soap, uh, soap operas were all about. People selling Tide soap because everybody needs soap. So you don't need targeting ads. It's like, you know, when I wanted to, if I wanted to advertise for, uh, uh, the No Agenda podcast, we don't, there's no reason to target anybody because we're, it's broad-based listenership. Uh, less so with this show. This show is really targeted to investors. So by now allowing the, the more broad-based ads like Tide and, you know, Dawn Soap and all these other things, it's going to take away more advertising revenues from the big boys and probably boost the revenues of Facebook, even though they won't get the CPM they were getting with the targeted stuff. I mean, it's possible. I, I, I don't disagree. I just, uh, it, it is it is pretty remarkable, the full circle that would come from the idea. The money they made over the years with all that, thinking that that was such a great model, which it, it, it has merit. 
No, it is a great model. It's a fabulous model. That was the model. That was the Holy Grail. But they can have both. I suppose. I mean, it, 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 it would be, there's no reason for them then to also spend so much money in the tracking of the information, all that. It's, 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 it's more of a Twitter model, right? It, it's less. Uh, well, I think they, you know, the money they spend on tracking, I, that could, the algorithms can still be in place. I mean, if you have somebody you can identify as a 35, let's say a 55 year old spinster, who has a bunch of nieces. Uh, that, I don't think you need to, need to know much more than that. What are you going to sell? Them? You don't need to know. What do you, that sell, that kind of, wait, wait, what do you sell that kind of person? What do you sell a spinster with several nieces? There's something I'm sure of it. <laughs> uh, a doily kit. I, I don't know. Make your own doilies. Doilies. Knitting needles. But something. But the point is, is that you don't need to go granular with this information right now. It seems as though they got the way to, you know, they're two, you know, the guy votes Republican and on the odd years, he's the guy's got one short leg. I mean, there's too much information you don't need to sell this person certain things. It's nice to know, I guess, if you want to blackmail them. But, you know, that's let the CIA and the FBI do that. Yeah. Well, and so you're bullish on them for what reason again? Because now they're going to open up the floodgates of even more lower cost ads and people will flock to Facebook to advertise there. It's a better vehicle than newspapers and magazines. Right. The problem with newspapers and magazines is that that, that one person may, Facebook is universal. Now, it may be less used than had been in the past and maybe it's not the go-to place, but if nothing else, there is... You know, most people will be on there here and there, whereas newspapers are very targeted, right? It may be, is it a business newspaper? Is it a general newspaper? Is it a local newspaper? Local newspapers will get more local ads rather than the national, right? Technically. Hmm. But local newspapers are all dying off, so they don't even have any place to advertise locally. I think you can go to Facebook and instead of doing this targeted ad based on, you know, psychographics and details, you can just go by zip codes and say, okay, this is everybody in this, in this town. Let's send them an ad about the local uh, sporting goods sh shop having a sale on, you know, fly fishing equipment. Oh, gotcha. So I'm telling you, Facebook is, a, is it, I don't see how it can be stopped. Well, uh, right now, the question then is why is Zuck making a left turn into the metaverse? Oh, he, I think that's just a nerd in him. Mm. Well, he came out with a picture tonight. With the design for this Metaverse VR headset. Now, take a look at this picture. You see that little link there? Scuba diving Zuck? Hold on. Uh, still got bad coins up. Scuba diving. Oh, yeah. Now, is yeah. that not a simple Jacques Cousteau old-fashioned rubber, black rubber Mask? Looks like it. Yeah. Go underwater with that thing. It, it That's what it is. He put a little thing on the back there to make it look cool. It's a scuba mask. It's even got the silver rim on the top. Yeah, it doesn't go over the nose, though. Right. I'll give you that. But he probably just chipped it out. That's why his head is down. I don't I don't think this is real. Um, I'm, 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 well, whatever the case, I'm, you know, I think... And I, I wouldn't have said this in the past because it's Zuckerberg's got a lot to do with the way everything uh, goes well at Facebook. But I think they have to get rid of him. Put in some Sachi and Sachi people or somebody that really knows how to crank this thing up. I think they can really, really rack it, run it up to run it up to up the mountain with uh, people that were a little more aggressive on the advertising side and less screwy like this stupid device. Mm hmm. All right, let's talk about homes and housing right now. Lennar Corp was out with uh, their earnings today. And it's considered right now to be the first major U.S. home builder to flag a slowdown in demand for new homes as red-hot prices and surging interest rates may force many buyers to rethink their purchases. And uh, CEO said that any forecast at this point would be, you know, guessing. That's it. 
and has maintained uh, its home delivery expectations for the full year of about 68,000 homes, which is nothing to sneeze at, by the way. And for the second quarter, the uh, the mean home prices and demand helped them report a profit of $1.32, which was higher than estimated, um, $1.32 billion higher than estimated, with um, $4.49 per share of earnings, beating expectation of $3.96. That's a pretty wide beat, considering the fact of how big many, beat. you know, the cost factors, right? Yeah, it's a big beat. Yeah, big beat. And now this. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said that she anticipates the economy to slow. <laughs> <laughs> she was on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, she was on this week, Sunday morning interview on this week. The economy is going to slow. She says, well, I expect the economy to slow. It's been growing at a very rapid rate as the labor market has recovered and we've reached full employment. It's natural now that we expect to transition to steady and stable growth. But this is the important thing. But I don't think a recession is at all inevitable. Now, why do I bold highlight italicize and underline that one line because she's notorious for saying stuff like this and being dead wrong. Yes. But not only that, I've heard this before last week. Like where have I heard this before? This idea that a recession is not at all. Don't think that a recession is at all inevitable. A recession is, is not inevitable. Is, is not necessarily inevitable. This, this concept of we don't have to, that was Biden saying that. Did he say that? Yes, he did. And he used the word, actually got the word out, inevitable? He, he did, as opposed to autocracy. Yeah, autocracy is his best one. That's the one. We're going back he, to the agenda. He, he can't say it. He just cannot say it. He flubs it pretty bad. This is like my ex-wife. She could not say Mitsubishi. She couldn't do it. I, I, said, uh. I said, what kind of car is that? She'd be like a Mutubuti. I'm like, what? What? Why can't? <laughs> Well, how is that even possible to say that? You know, I couldn't say, I couldn't pronounce the word of the SPAC barker, Chamath Palihapitiya, for a long time. That's not the easiest one to say. What is it? It's his name, Chamath Palihapitiya. What about it? What is it? Uh, it's his name. I just couldn't pronounce it forever. What name of what? It's his name. It's his name. It's the, per, it's the person's <laughs> Who's name. Who's on first? It's the person's name. Chamath Polyhapatia. <laughs> yep. So, um, so the, the idea now that we are not thinking that a recession, I don't think a recession is at all inevitable. It's kind of a weird structure for a sentence. I don't think a recession is at all inevitable. I mean, if, as opposed to saying, I don't think we necessarily are going to have a recession. That's a cleaner way to say the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, there's a million ways to say it that's cleaner than this. But I don't think a recession is all. So, yeah, let's. I'm going to look up. Um, I'm just going to do a search right now in the Google. Biden, re recession, inevitable. Um, how Biden can convince us that, an incession, that a recession isn't inevitable one and a half days ago. A recession is not inevitable, Biden, Biden administration's officials say two days ago. Biden scolds a reporter on the beach for asking if a recession is no. It's just, I don't think it's going to be inevitable. So this goes on and on. Five days ago, Biden predicts a recession is not inevitable. It's kind of code. It's clearly code. Yeah. It's clearly code for crap. It's code for what, though? It's code that we're going to have a recession for sure? I think he's just trying to keep up hope of... Why is his usage exactly the same each time? Each time. And then followed up by hers. Uh, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I know you're saying it well because you got all kinds of documentation, but it's uh, you're right. It's screwy. There's something wrong with it. It's not at all inevitable, meaning that it doesn't have to be. Like, in other words, if it happens, it's not their fault. It's ours. We shouldn't have let this happen. Like... Setting up to shirk the blame on something else, of course. You know? Even yeah, more. It's, it's, it's kind of funny that they're, it's kind of saying that. It's not inevitable, but, but if it does happen, it's not because it was because it was 
inevitable, it's because it's your fault. Yeah. It wasn't our fault. We did everything we could. It's outside influences. We didn't think it was uh, necessarily a probability or a possibility with what we were doing. So something's just not right. Well, it's 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 either not right or I'll give you another another thing to say about this or another way to look at this. Biden's ready to do a speech. His speechwriters are getting his stuff prepared. Thinking about all the questions that are going to come, right? You got to kind of do the work to figure out. You probably see all, a bunch of people sitting in a room going, all right, all right, all right. What are they going to ask? What are they going to say? Let's think of all the stuff and let's get some answers to it, right? Put in that book with the tabs they have for the press secretary and make sure they distribute all the talking points, right? Because that's what they do. Well, they're not only that, but the questions are usually previewed. But go on. So now somebody says, well, whoa, what if somebody says, uh, what about a recession? Yeah, we can have a recession. Ah, call up the call up the Fed, call up the Treasury. Let's see what they have to say. They put they send back a line. Say this. And they just repeat it because that's all they could say. And that's now become the party line, so to speak, and literally the party line. You'll see it. Now that I told you this, now that we came up with this, you're gonna see it all over the place. Yeah, you're right. It's like when you buy you're thinking about buying a white car. So all you see on the road is white cars. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. So now I just got you all screwed up. Uh, even more yelling, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said some tariffs on China inherited from the administration of former President Donald Trump made no strategic sense and added that President Joe Biden was reviewing them as a way to bring down inflation. So getting rid of some of the tariffs, which could be disinflationary it's possible i mean it seems logical although if you remember when they were putting them on everybody said they're not inflationary in fact nobody's going to pay them but china that's how yeah there's that nonsense there's also the idea that it's going to kick start our manufacturing on our side and stop relying on china for every damn thing well that was the hope when you had all these tariffs that we were going to bring a lot more business back here because it was a lot cheaper to do. But the problem is that a lot of the parts and things we needed to get the manufacturing done came from China. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> too entrenched. Yep. Too entrenched. Now in China, we have COVID again or continuing the worst uh, situations happening, a uh, concern, the world's biggest gambling hub, Macau yeah. became, it began its second day of mass COVID-19 testing. Now, if you don't know about Macau, you've been there, right? I have only flown over it. I've never actually been in the town itself. Oh, I've been there. It's kind of fun. It's a little gaudy. It's yeah. I've always wanted to go there since it's a Portuguese colony. Yep. And so it would take on the air. I was just aside. First time I was when I was first time I went to Portugal, have, having been all over Brazil, uh, and I go to Portugal. I'm in Lisbon. I said this place seems awfully familiar. <laughs> it reminds me of Sao Paulo and a little bit of Rio. And oh yeah, and then the guy says. Every place the Portuguese went when they were the big explorers of the world, every town they built was built after Lisbon. It was all modeled after Lisbon. So they felt at home wherever they were. Mm. It was an interesting idea. And so I know Macau has got the same feeling. And I've always wanted to go there just to, to get that. Ah, there we are again, back in Lisbon. Mm. Some of the best ice cream was uh, at a little area off of Lisbon, Kashkish, little area, little beach town. I don't know if I told you the story about this. No. Somebody says, oh, you're going to cash keys? I said, yes. I said, you got to go. It's the world's best ice cream ever. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm going to this How little- How good can ice cream be? What are, you, what are you talking about? I don't even understand what you're saying. I said, go to the ice cream store. I'm telling you, it's fantastic. It's it's the it, it's going to change your life. I'm like, this is more than I could expect to, about ice cream. Well, we were there one night. I go over to the ice cream place. There's a line around the block. I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. <laughs> Right. No, it's too much. So I get there next night and it's kind of late and it was more towards close. It's like, you know, four people in line. I'm like, you know, I'm going to try it. So I walk in and my friend says, listen, he's with me. He says, this is supposed to be the best ice cream in the world. He bought me like a, a quart bucket to put the stuff in. Right. So you bring this up to the thing. And I said, listen, what made your ice cream so famous? Where did it, what particular flavor was where it all started? He said, strawberry. I'm like, really? Strawberry ice cream? I said, yeah. I said, okay. So I said, give me a mostly strawberry. Give me a little bit of vanilla chocolate. Fill it up like almost a spumoni thing, right? You know what I'm saying? The best ice cream I ever had in my life. Still fantastic. And really? Any, anybody that's been to Cash Cache knows what I'm talking about. 
Unbelievable. So the strawberry's good? Fantastic. The best I've ever had. Seriously. Well, they're doing something right. Yeah, I was, uh, the, the first time I, I, I put the first spoonful to my mouth, I'm like, what is happening? Unbelievable. Anyway, uh, the COVID in... Um, we should get a free trip to Portugal after yeah, that promotion. That's, that's something there. I'm telling you something. Uh, the world's biggest gambling hub, Macau, began its second day of mass COVID-19 testing on Monday after dozens of locally transmitted cases were discovered abund- over the weekend. And um, now most businesses are shut, but casinos remain open. <laughs> casinos are not closed. What? what? Yeah, that's what it is. Most residents are asked to stay home. Restaurants will be shut down for dine-in and border restrictions have been tightened, meaning casino revenue is likely to be close to zero for at least a week in the coming weeks. Now, meanwhile, again, even that all this happening, they left the casinos open because that is a major potential income stream for taxes and the government and the Macau and all that. And you don't want to be in a situation where I think you shut them down again and freak out people. Make it so yeah. that it's just, you know, a little bit closed. The borders are closed, but the casinos are open. You can't go in, but the casinos are open. So that's crazy. Uh, but that's also continued to impact things like oil prices, which we saw drop down very significantly last week on the news that there's going to be continuing problems in Beijing. And the fact that their Sinovac vaccine is not working and uh, the COVID-0 process is not helping with the uh, with the uh, herd immunity. So that's a big problem. We have racism in the metaverse. Remember we had the idea that it was groping in the metaverse? It was groping. I think rapes. Rapes and groping in the metaverse. People are being sued. Yeah. Now we have racism. The tech industry, is a CNBC article, this racism, uh, no, excuse me, the tech industry... Uh, has spent a decade publicly reckoning with its diversity problem. Still black and Hispanic workers just hold 7% and 8% of computer workers' roles in the U.S., though they represent 11% and 70% of the country's total workforce. If the companies building the metaverse are lacking in diverse voices, Nelson says, he's uh, someone who's interviewed for this article, it'll be hard to avoid the same problems experienced by today's social media users, including more than 80 million Americans of color, according to a CNBC Make It analysis of the Pew data. What the hell does all this mean? Once again, we're either saying that the metaverse itself doesn't have enough people of color color in the metaverse or the people designing it there's not enough people working on it or it's just that everything's racist no matter what you do and you can't get away from it there you go you hit it is that what it is what else could it be (laughs) a uh pick of yours from a few months ago was in the news on the stock game on the stock picking weekly stock picking uh competition game kellogg is splitting into three companies. And they have the old, ha, 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 they're going to be called Snack, Crackle, and Pop. (laughs) All this stupidity out there. But the company will spin off its North American cereal business and plant-based division, which accounted for about 20% of its revenues last year. The remaining business includes its snacks, its noodles, and international cereal, and North American frozen breakfast brands, which all together represent about 80% of its 2021 sales. It said it expects frozen breakfast represents its majority think, of its sales. No. Well, you got to put string that whole line together. Uh, snacks, noodles, international cereal, and frozen breakfast 20, uh, 80%. Oh, Kellogg said it expects the tax free spinoff will be completed by the end of 2023. And the name for the new companies have not been decided yet. I would like to offer our services, the DH Unplugged marketing team, and I'd like to for the much less than anybody else will charge you. I'm going to give you the names. We put our heads together, John and I, and we came up with $500,000 all we're asking for as the fee for this. Kellogg Plus and Kellogg Plus Plus. <laughs> Plain old Kellogg, Kellogg Plus, just like Apple Plus. And yeah, Apple Plus. Yeah, this, all, all, all the pluses out there, they spend billions of dollars on doing this. 
Warren Buffett was busy. Well, actually, he was putting on his uh, lunch that didn't happen in 2019. No, it didn't happen in 2020 and 21, where he'd put up the offer to have lunch with Warren Buffett, and you would bid on uh, it. Yes. Remember you'd bid on it? You know, go to some charity? Yeah, yeah. It's like a, you had to pay like a quarter million bucks or something to have lunch. Well, that was when you were a kid. Uh, the last high was 2019, which was paid in crypto. It was $4.57 This year, which is going to be the last time he ever does this, 19 mil. What do you think about well, that? This has to be, here's a guy that has $19 million in, in, in expendable money. In other words, extra over-the-top money. What the hell is he going to ask Warren Buffett about? Well, he now gets the claim to fame that he had the last lunch of a multi-year, you know, amazing process and outbid everybody else to have lunch with Warren Buffett. What kind of bragging rights is this? Uh, I think it's the equivalent of owning a board ape NFT. I think it's, you know, the, what the bragging rights would be, would be something like I was a threesome with Tom Brady and Giselle. I mean, that's something you could talk about is like, uh, what? Yeah, that would be, yeah. But uh, with having the last lunch with Warren Buffett. Okay. I was out to lunch with Warren Buffett. He choked on a ham sandwich. You know, a bunch of people have lunch with Warren Buffett at a lot less. And they, you know, I think half the time you go out with Warren Buffett, and just pick up the tab. You'll be good to go. Yeah. And it's probably just at a McDonald's or, or uh, what's the root beer place? What's the, uh, no, no, he wanted the Dairy Queen. Dairy. Oh yeah. DQ. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You go to Dairy Queen. Queen with him. Yeah. Who would you want to have lunch with if you could pay up? If you, if you could, or maybe you didn't have to pay a lot, but who would you, who would you want to have lunch with aside from me? Uh, I think Putin would be interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Musk, I wouldn't mind having lunch with him. Um, just to listen to whatever <laughs> bull crap he's delivering at the moment. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't have a long list of people I want to have lunch with. I think I want to have Richard Branson. Well, people that know Branson say it wouldn't be much of a lunch. I, right. I think I'd dissuade you and find somebody else. Mm. All right. Uh, now, there's something that you wanted me to uh, bring up here, and we actually have an, a note from a, remind me, we have a note from a listener about Smithfield, you know, the pork processor that we talked about, them shutting down in California? Yeah. But let's talk about this other issue real quick. Uh, two things. One of them, there was a leaked menu memo from Amazon talking about a looming crisis that they're going to run out of people to hire. You want to talk about this? Well, they claim, or somebody did some analysis and claims that, and this is bull crap, by the way. It doesn't make any sense that Amazon in, I think within the next five years is going to run out of people to hire. They won't be able to hire anybody to work the warehouses. Did, did, did What I didn't understand about this was that, was that there is, they're going to be expanding so dramatically or that, there's just nobody left on earth to hire or that they're not going along and roboticizing everything anyway. I mean, what, what, I don't get it. I did. You got me baffled too. I think it would be, there's nobody left on earth to hire. I think is what it amounted to because they're going to be running everything. I don't know. It makes no sense. The whole thing makes no sense. I, I don't understand how they're even thinking. I mean, I guess what the, you know, what they probably did. They probably took a linear time, or maybe even some kind of a uh, some kind of geometric um, increase in hiring over a period of time. You know how you would say, "Oh, every, you know, everybody's buying computers," and at the rate that Dell is expanding, everybody in the next five years, back in the day, everybody's going to have five computers on their desk. Yeah, because you just do a very stupid, very simplistic mathematical calculation utilizing yeah, straight line. Mean, yeah, it's no good. So maybe that's what they did here. Saying, you know, Amazon's been hiring 10% more people per year. When they reach a certain point, there's just no people left. Yeah. That's it's probably like, what you know. That's yeah, stupid. Buy, 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 buy. Sell. Right. To who? Right. The joke. And also, the point is that if the market's continuing to do what they're doing, people are probably going to be like plentiful back to work. All the Bitcoin bros that were living off their. Money they made over the years on Bitcoin, maybe you're going to be like, eh, maybe I need to get a job here. Things are getting a little thin. 
Well, usually the Bitcoin guys I know that got in re, re, really early and got out in some around like four to ten thousand dollars a coin uh, made so much money. I don't think they have anything to worry about. Yeah. You also sent me another question, uh, which I couldn't find any corroboration on this through that. Oh, I couldn't. No, let me take it back. I couldn't find the article you referenced, but there was a discussion about um, the thoughts on the lack of profitability for companies like Uber. And I think you were fascinated by that. Well, Uber made money once, uh, probably by accident. And they've just been losing and losing and losing. And it's just like, this is going to, is this going to go on forever? And uh, I think the answer is yes. Yeah, I am fascinated by the fact that they can they keep these, these balls in the air this long. What's amazing is they destroyed the, um, the taxi industry, the medallions. They put people out of work. Busted broke family them. businesses broke them, and yeah. for what? Right, I mean, for a company that can't even make money. Yeah. Now, mind you, all the people driving made money all the years. Management made plenty of money. Stockholders for a while made a good amount of money, so there was money to be made. But it, they squandered the business it. doesn't make squandered money. Squandered it. We have another bankruptcy squeeze. Squeeze. Revlon is filing Chapter 11. Stock is up from $1.50 a few days ago to $6. There you go again. But usually we know what happens on the back end. Um, oh, so we talked about a variety of phrases to look at. The one is a recession is not inevitable. That's something to keep an eye on. We've talked about how, uh, you know, we've seen the inflation transitory. We've seen all these different phrases. Well, there's a new one coming up. I've seen a lot of it. What's happening right now is a great generational opportunity to purchase high growth stocks relatively cheaply. It's a great generational opportunity. Somebody said that back nice. in- I like the phrasing. It's, it's nice. This is from the Defiance ETF CEO, chief investment officer. Of course, he said, in the short term, though, it's painful. It feels terrible, and we have to ride it out. Again- from a person who has few years of experience without seeing any bear markets in the past ever. Yep. Just, just seeing it on a chart or looking at it as a, you know, uh, is Sylvia Jabonski. Yeah. You Jabonski. can look at the charts all you want. Right. But until you go through and it, you're going to, it's a little different in the process of actually living through it. Mm -hmm. Now, now just to further on the discussion of all these talking heads, talking about things, Larry Summers, who always seems like he's eating his tongue when he talks. Yeah, yeah. He talks Larry Summer. Let's see if I can do Larry Summer. He got a he's got a wet mouth and he talks like he talks a little bit like this, Larry Summers, and he's just always talking like this. It's just there's a lot of movement going on that I, anyway. Uh, I don't do it justice to that one. I mean I could do a couple of people, you know, like uh some of our people in Congress were talking but not like this. So here, Larry Summers, he did say that the US needs 5% jobless rate for five years to inf ease inflation. Former Treasury Secretary Summer said, U.S. jobless rate would have to rise above 5% for a sustained period in order to curb inflation that's running at the hottest pace for four decades. We need to have five years of unemployment above 5% to contain inflation. Or in other words, we need two years of 7.5% unemployment or five years of 6% unemployment or one year of 10% unemployment. What's he talking about? <laughs> Come on. What does that even mean? It means nothing. The guy's nuts. We need five years of over 5%. We need two years of 7.5. But if we have five years of five, how does that up to two years of seven and, and what's a half? It got to, yeah, and what's it got to do with inflation anyway? Well... If you have a lot of people that are out of work, they're spending less. We had a lot of people out of work in the 70s. Lots of people were out of work in the 70s. And inflation was, it's 20%. Well, I will tell you that we can have every single person in the country out of work. And it's not going to stop the war necessarily in in in, uh, in, in Russia and Ukraine. And, uh, or cause less bird flu cullings of, of chickens. And wheat prices. No, it's not going to do anything. Yeah. It's a separate variable. Yep. Uh, I want to get to this one thing, and then we're going to get to these stock picks. We, of course, have the um, 
the, the close to the pin for Neo that's going on right now, and that's uh, going to be announced next week, the winner. So that's good. We do have one entry for a crypto limerick that we mentioned. Ooh. From Justin Duguid. Duguid. So this is now, you have to judge this now, not as a Fed limerick, but as a crypto limerick, okay? I'm looking for it. All the way at the bottom. There it is. There once was a coin from Duquan. Twas not pegged to the dollar for long. He poked out his chest, got suckers to invest, and now all their money is gone. Okay. Uh, I like it. I think it's a, it's a solid B+. Plus. B+, plus for Justin. There you go. All right, let's get to the... It's uh, not necessarily that funny. It's obvious. That's the problem with it. Yeah, this is what the... the, the uh, the, the not a, just a little slip. There's nothing trick, trick, tricky in there that makes it like, oh, that's pretty funny. None of that. Mm. But it, but it did flow. It did flow. Yeah, it flowed. It was fine. Yeah. This is a game that we play. It's not a solicitation to buy or sell any security. It's not a recommendation of any kind. Nothing on the show should be considered investment advice or a recommendation. If you choose to invest in any of the stocks mentioned, you should know that it may carry risk along with the risk of a loss of principal. You should also seek out professional financial advice for your particular situation. We assume no risk as these are not to be considered recommendations. Horowitz Company, myself, or John C. Dvorak may invest in any of the securities mentioned, and we'll disclose that on the website under the weekly stock picks section. You can go to dhunplugged.com and see all the names we discuss in the segment along with the performance information from the date discussed as well as any additional important disclosures. Now, uh... We talked about a few things being kicked off. The, the list is getting shorter. Yeah. Not we, this is what the, we have moments like this. Mm -hmm. Korea funds off. Kellogg is up nicely, up uh, only 2% today. It was up earlier a little bit more. But you're up 16% on your down wedge uh, discussion back from 224, February 24th of 2021. The big winners right now, TBT, which is invoice inverse double yields, expecting yields to go up. You picked that up 12.5%. Trijan Health up 2.5%. Still, of course, FEC Bancorp up 82%. Gold's down 4%. Then we have um, XLE, the short that I put on a couple weeks back, up 17.5% on energy. And might I say, not because it's anything, it just we'd have to do this on Tuesday with the open on Wednesday. Perfect timing. Not, yeah. I'm not taking credit for it. Yeah, lucky. Because no, I got lucky. Yeah. It was a good pick, though. Doc, the other shorts. DocuSign, by the way, this one talking about, all right, make fun of the DocuSign. It's up 3%. 4.2 on this chart. Oh. Um, so I, I shorted NVIDIA, Microsoft, and Tesla. They're all down. So the shorts have not worked on any of those stocks yet. Now, Tesla got kicked off. Um, yeah, they won on Tesla because it got kicked off. Tesla was up uh, very significantly today. Elon Musk posted a funny meme of the price of gas of unleaded or super at $7 and 11 cents. Yeah. Seven 11. Yeah. From a sign that was at seven 11. Oh, cute. <laughs> such a kidder. Isn't he such a kidder? Well, yeah, somebody else is finding this stuff for him. And what, what, or, or Photoshopping it. The day he's around at seven 11 is the day. Right. And, um, what was the closing price of Tesla of the day? Well, 7-11. 7-11. 7-11. 7-11. I have one pick. Shorting Revlon up 62% today on the bankruptcy. Yeah, this is risky. All right. Well, that's why I'm doing it here. Okay. Well, I want 20%. 20, 20. Okay. I got nothing. Oh. Okay. Well, we're right on time. Let's start seeing these shorts work out. If Unless that happens. If not, I, I, I don't know what to do. Hmm. There's no good insider stuff going on. Uh, there's a doldrum situation. Nobody wants to. I, well, that, okay, I'll put one on because I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow it anyway. Facebook long. Oh, the the the, uh, the new symbol is Meta. Yeah, by the Meta. way, Meta is the new symbol there, and this is gonna be yours right here, which we'll see. And any reason that will? I think like it's it? too. I think it's cheap. Cheap at one. It's a steal. A steal. Steel. Okay. I got that. Uh, let me just mention one thing. So I don't want to carry it over just to, to close on this note from the, from the crazy file of what's going on in life and how things are crazy in, 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 in China. 
a desperate developer is softening the property market in, in a softening profit uh, property market is coming up with ways to promote and attract buyers offering to take wheat and garlic as down payments. One advertisement in the Henan based central China real estate market said that um, swap wheat for house. And the one says buyers can use their crop price to two won per caddy, which is a Chinese unit of mass, roughly 500 grams, to offset as much as 160,000 yuan or $23,000 of down payments in one of its developments. Swap wheat for house. Yes, swap wheat and get garlic and wheat and things like that. Wow. There you go. As the world has gone pear-shaped and more. No question about that. All right, I'll see you next week. All right, I'll talk to you Tuesday. All right, see you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening in on a conversation with John C. Dvorak and Andrew Horowitz. Hope to be with you again soon. Bye-bye. Now, I'm not broke, but badly bent. I'm not down to my last cent, because I got a dollar, but it's my last dollar bill. <laughs> yes, sir. In my pockets, there's a dent. All my dough is nearly spent, but I got a dollar, and it's my last dollar bill. Oh, I'd love just one more buck fortune left me by chance. Now, here's a hint. I feel like a man. You can hardly tell by a glance. I don't care. No millionaire can give me the ice and stare. Because I got a dollar. My last dollar bill. Horowitz Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training.